Welcome to another episode of Ask the Zamboni Experts. I'm your host, Doug Peters, and along with me today from the Zamboni Company up in Brantford, Ontario, is Marty Elliott. Today, we're going to be having a chat with Doug Palazzari, the Executive Director of the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame in Eveleth, Minnesota. Welcome, Doug. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I am excellent, sir. I'm very honored to be able to spend some time with you chatting about the Hockey Hall of Fame as well as your career uh, in hockey. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in Eveleth, Minnesota? Well, you know, this was a really great place for a hockey player to, to grow up because we have long winters and you get to play outside. You could bring your skates to school, play it during the day. You know, the winters are long, so we had ice outdoors for about four or five months a year. Eveleth is a unique town with a great hockey history, so we... we uh, Growing up here was really fun. Yeah, as a former Minnesotan, I can uh, attest to how cold the winters are. And I know the further north you get, uh, the colder they are. So it's uh, there's been a lot of great hockey players that have come out of Eveleth. Uh, along, along with yourself, uh, there's a gentleman named uh, John Mayasich. Uh, he's part of the U.S. Hockey Hall. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, any interactions you've had with Mr. Mayasich? Well, you know, John's living up here now. He has since, uh, for quite a while. He's, he's like Mr. Hockey in Eveleth. Uh, he's a great supporter of the museum and everything Minnesota hockey, for sure. You know, he's just a real class gentleman. Certainly was one of America's great hockey players, too. His record speaks for that uh, as a college player, as a pro player, and as an Olympian. Uh, I, I know his family very well, you know, uh, uh, his brother, he has a twin brother. You probably didn't know that. But, uh, did not, did Jim, not know that. Jim, Jim Massage, he was, he was a good athlete. He was a good baseball player and a basketball player, but he also uh, was a teacher. I had him in grade school, actually. <laughs> and uh, no, but John, John is kind of laying low right now with the COVID thing. So I haven't seen him in about a month, which is unusual, but uh like I said, he is just such a great supporter of everything Eveleth. He's uh, just a magnificent guy. Yeah, I had the pleasure of meeting him uh, last fall for the first time in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He was down to be a part of the opening game ceremonies for Stan Hubbard 3's uh, team down in Albuquerque. And I was in town for a wedding. My wife grew up uh, just outside of Albuquerque. And it was a pleasure. He's a very, very, uh, he's a gentleman is the word I guess I would use to describe him. And we're looking very much forward to having uh, him and Dick Meredith, who's a friend of my father's, uh, on a podcast in the future to talk about the 1956 and 60 Olympic teams uh, from the USA. Yeah, they've, they've, I know Dick as well. You know, that was a great group they had in 60 and 56 too. You know, I mean, they're great guys. Uh, but John, I, I know he's real tight with the Hubbards. They've been great friends for, uh, decades. And, uh, I'm, I, I, John gets together with them quite frequently. I know that the organization he started, the junior team down in Albuquerque had a very successful year and, uh, I hope they can continue that there. Yeah, Stanley uh, invested in a rink down there and he's done wonders. And as I've told him and 
uh, expressed uh, in the industry that that facility wouldn't be there if it wasn't for his love of hockey, like I think he had handed down from his father. Um, Doug, can you tell us a little bit how you found your way into your role at the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame? Well, that's, you know, really, you know, I, I was a college player from a booth when the hall opened in, in 73. So I've been familiar with everything to do with the hall over the years, and especially with my time with USA Hockey. We always had uh, interactions with the museum and uh, the Hall of Fame. For me, though, I, you know, I got to a point, I, I, I just, you know, they were having little struggles here and. uh I told a friend of mine up here, I said, well, if that job, if the executive director job ever gets open, give me a call. I'd be interested in looking into that. And uh, that's what happened eventually. And I'm really glad that it, it turned out because this has been a lot of fun for me. This is my 10th year here. Uh, quite a change moving, you know, from Colorado Springs back up to the range in terms of uh, climate and, and, and so forth. But it's really nice to be in a smaller community and, really enjoying it how did you escape the university of minnesota with your stats is what i want to know because all the top players back in that time frame uh pretty much had a fence around them to keep them in minnesota and to play for the u how did you escape and end up at colorado college well you know that's interesting because i you know i would have they offered me a half a scholarship you know, and I had a full scholarship to Notre Dame and a full scholarship to Colorado College. And uh, I had an appointment to the Air Force Academy. I had options, but I think if they had offered me a full scholarship, I would have gone there. But it would have been for all the wrong reasons. I'm glad, I'm glad they didn't because CC was a perfect place for me. Uh, turned out uh, such an excellent school and and so is the University of Minnesota. I mean, there's eight kids in my family, and, and uh, I think six of them are graduates from the, the university. So, you know, nothing against that. But for me, and I and actually it was a, another player here in Virginia, you may know Steve Sertich, who played on the 76 Olympic team. We were uh, seniors. He was in Virginia. And uh, we took our recruiting trip out to Colorado Springs, and the coach was John Matches. Uh, I'm sure you're aware of it. Uh, uh, hockey great in his day at the University of Michigan and 56 Olympic team and, and uh, we had known him all our lives so for us we they put us up in the Broadmoor <laughs> you're looking at you're sitting there in the mountains it's I left here it was snowing it was 70 degrees out there and we're on the plane on the way back I said to Luber I said we're, we're going to CC aren't we he said yep and that's, that's what happened well, I've been, been out there, I've been, I've been lucky enough to go visit, and it is a spectacular uh, setting for that. And a lot of history with uh, the Springs, with the U.S. Olympic hockey teams, and with USA Hockey offices being headquartered out there. I, would you like to talk a little bit about your time as the executive director at uh, USA Hockey? Well, for the get back to the Broadmoor there, you know, say or tut the the gentleman that ran that you know, business and he was you know so instrumental in getting the international teams over here to play he was the first guy that really started you know to bring teams in he'd bring them to that rink at the Broadmoor and they'd play college teams and you know he'd bring the Russians and the Czechs he was really instrumental in in, in growing the, the game internationally 
But as far as uh, my time at USA Hockey, is that I I those were wonderful years. I had 14 years there, and uh, you know I started out as a youth director, and uh, I got to meet. I worked with the the youth council at USA Hockey and met all the different people in the many affiliates around the country. So I got to meet everyone in hockey, and I, you know it's just a great organization that people may not realize is basically run by the volunteers all over our country who donate their time and effort to, to help the youth hockey programs grow and, and succeed. So I, you know, in that respect, you know, I, 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 I moved up a little bit. I, I did the, uh, I also supervised the coaching and officiating program for a few years. And then uh, the last five years there, I was the executive director, and that, that was an interesting challenge and and, and fun in no way. That when I'm kind of proud of the fact that while we was executive director, we won our first World Junior Tournament, and we won our first Women's World Tournament, and we had two silver medals in Salt Lake. You know, it was great. Really uh, uh, a fun time for me. I, I worked with so many wonderful people at USA Hockey in the national office and all the volunteers around the country. And I had a chance to to travel internationally and meet people from all the different countries that are involved in hockey and, and uh, made friendships through that. And, and we learned a lot from each other. So in those respects, uh, those were very good years. Did you get to spend a fair amount of time with Walter Bush while uh, you were with USA Hockey? Oh yes, Walter was uh, uh, chairman. He's the one that hired me. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, Walter's a, one of the finest gentlemen uh, I think I've ever met. You know, he, he, what he did for American hockey is, and the time he put in, the effort he made, and, and I think one of the things he'll go down even the most. I mean, there wouldn't be a, a women's Olympic sport in ice hockey if it weren't for Walter Bush, and and he really, really spearheaded that whole thing. Yeah, I'm glad you touched on that because you beat me to the punch. That was something that I was going to say. I was lucky enough to um, spend some time with um, Walter when I was a kid. Uh, he was the president and involved with the ownership group of the North Stars, and my dad worked for uh, the North Stars. And my father, I joked that my father used to service Walter's uh, boat. And um, when Walter passed away, uh, my father passed away a few days later. And I was able to go to, I was in Minnesota. Uh, I was able to go to my father's funeral and Walter's funeral uh, two days later. And I said, Walter probably needed somebody to service his boat. And he called for my dad to come uh, <laughs> to, to come up and take care of it tomorrow for him. Hey, so, I've been on that boat. You know, we used to have executive <laughs> committee meetings down in Florida and, and uh, uh, Naples. And, and he had a beautiful boat. We'd always go on a cruise every year. It was really fun. He loved yeah, that. He, he was a very kind gentleman. I reached out to him uh, when my dad was ill, and Walter was kind enough to reconnect with my father and spend some time uh, going down memory <laughs> lane with uh, stories about the North Stars and such. Um, can you tell us a little bit, Doug, why is the hall in Eveleth? Well, you know, really, it's it's because of the, the huge history here. And, you know, Eveleth is really one of the birthplaces and 
for ice hockey in, in our country. There's no doubt about that. They've had hockey here since the late 1800s. In fact, they, they had their first indoor rink built in was it 1919. They, they had two sheets. They had, the bottom floor was a curling rink, and then above that, they had a hockey rink. And, you know, they, they <clears throat> over the years, you know, it, then it, just two years later, they built a brand new 3,000 seat Eveleth Hippodrome. I'm sure you're aware of that building. That's a. a yes, I am. I've been in, the, in that facility a few times. It is. It's like a shrine in itself. But you know they had a they had a, a basically a pro team here in in the early twenties that played in the league with Cleveland, Pittsburgh, St. Paul, and Duluth, and Milwaukee. You know they, hockey was they had a lot of Canadian players there during those days too. They brought in a few ringers, but hockey grew. It was big for the miners up here, and this was a melting pot of of uh, different national nationalities and and uh it brought everyone together it was the hockey and, and they they developed some just really great players that went on and did fabulous things if you look at there were even in the 30s you know they had they had what well, i think it was 147 players that were playing within the college minor league pro nhl around the country everywhere from california to to boston from this little community in northern Minnesota, and the the uh, there was a time in the National Hockey League, like the first American goalie to win the Stanley Cup is Mike Krakus, uh, a boy. Uh, of course, you had Frank Brinsick with the with the uh, Boston Bruins, who who won the Vesna, plus the most valuable. We got those in here, here in the hall, actually, and and you know they call him Mister Zero because of the many, many shutouts he had and recognized as one of the best goalies in the National Hockey League ever. And then, of course, the goalie that holds the most saves in a regular season game is uh, Sam Lepresti, another Eveleth guy. 80 saves, uh, lost 3-2 to two to Boston. And, of course, Brimsick was in the net on the other side. So you had a time when there were six teams in the league and three of the goalies were from Eveleth. You know that that says something in itself. But and then then you start in, in the forties. If they would have started a high school tournament before forty five, Evans would have a lot more of them. But they uh, they uh, they did start in forty five, and I think they won five of the first seven. They had a junior college team here. It's twenty eight and twenty nine is top college team in the country, ahead of Yale, Minnesota, Clarkson. That- the junior college was that good. That's awesome. Well, and there, there was another goalie that came out of up there, um, Willard Eichla, correct? Yes, he, he played in the 56 team. Uh, actually, the, the 56 team, the coach was John Mariucci from Elvis. You had Matches, uh, Mayasich, and Willard Eichla were, were on the team, three other guys from Elvis. So well represented in 56. Willard, of course, went on to be uh, a great coach there uh, at Edina High School. With I don't know how many wins he racked up there, you know, and just a class. All all of those guys are just class guys, you know, and all evolutions. Yeah, the dread. He turned into a dreaded cake eater. You know, that was the hard. Yeah, part. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to believe, isn't it? <laughs> it, it you want to hear? A, you want to hear a cake eater story? I certainly do. 
Well, when I was in the in Bantams, we won the state tournament in eighth grade, and the national tournament was being Lake Placid. Well, we really didn't think we were going to go because it was too expensive. We didn't have any really way to get out. It's a long way from Elvis. and but we got home from the weekend, the state tournament, and our recreational director got a call from Edina and it said, well, we know you guys can't afford to go. So we got the plane uh, fueled up and we're going to take your place. <laughs> and our recreation director got so mad. <laughs> he said, no, never mind. We're going to go. <laughs> so, so, so we, we sold, we sold candy and we <laughs> raised money. And we bust, we bust from level to Lake Placid, 36 hours, one way, no stopping. Uh, it, it was, we, we stopped at every Howard Johnson's around the way. That's true. So, so we went up to, uh, Lake Placid and played the national tournament. It was great. Well, it, it's funny because, uh, I've had a couple other people on podcasts and got talking. I think one of them was Henry Boucher, which we'll get into a little bit later, but, we talked about Edina and growing up uh, in South Minneapolis. Uh, I always say my claim to fame in hockey is that I got to skate against Mike Ramsey, who played on the 1980 Olympic team that, that, that won the, the gold medal at Lake Placid. Greatest sporting event ever in my lifetime is I've got my compadre shaking his head right now. And he's got a question that I'm going to throw over to him. But uh, it was something with Edina. You, uh, you hated them growing up. But then when you got older in the cities, you wanted to live in Edina because the schools were a little <laughs> bit better and the, the, the taxes were a little bit lower and, and all. And they ended up beating uh, Roosevelt that year uh, when I was a sophomore in the state high school hockey tournament. They scored a goal in like the last minute or minute and a half of the game to uh, to break break our hearts as fans of the team. But at least they the goal was scored with time left on the clock. And again, that'll be a lead into another question later, but Marty wants to throw something at you in regards to the 80 saves. Might that have something to do with the 80 Olympic team, Marty? Oh, Doug, Doug, <laughs> Mr. Palazzari, thanks for allowing me to share and talk to you and, and listen to your stories. I have to ask the question, the individual that you refer to that still holds the record for 80 saves, was that in just three periods or was there overtime involved? Yeah, in a regulation game. Yeah, the wow. record's for a regulation game. Yeah. Well, good good run yeah. Shire doesn't see that much rubber in the day. No, that's hard. Eh? And lose a game three to two, isn't that awful? Yeah, wow, <laughs> wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. No, I just, and uh, Sam, just... you, would have, you would have enjoyed meeting Sam with Presley. He's, a, he's really a tremendous guy, too. I definitely recognize the name, but no, I never had the opportunity. Well, he had a son that played in the National Hockey League, too. Peter. Oh, Peter. Yep, I do recognize. Yeah, yep. He played yep. for the North Stars and a few other teams. Mm -hmm. Yep. There you go. There you go. I'll send it back to uh, you, Mr. Peters. Uh, you got a good uh, session going here. Thank you very much, Marty. Um, speaking of finances, you talked about what it was like uh, having to sell candy to get uh, your Bantam team all the way out to Lake Placid. Um, how is the hall and the museum financed, Doug? Well, you know, well, let's, here's how it goes. We, we, uh, they've had issues with finances in the past, and, and, but currently we're doing very well and we're happy for that. Most of our, of course, we, we have admission here to the hall and we have a gift shop 
that's uh, our main source at the door. We have we do get some help from the state of Minnesota through the Minnesota Historical Society, and that's a big help to us. Otherwise, we we have a college uh, Hall of Fame game that's been very popular and, and is very beneficial for us as well. Uh, we have uh, we do fundraising, of course, and we have our annual golf classic, which has become very successful and, and a lot of fun, to say the least. Uh, USA Hockey has been a partner of ours and uh, through their foundation have, have helped the museum as well as uh, the Minnesota Wild have been helpful in a number of ways. So we we've, we managed to find people that, that uh, the city of Avalon, uh, of course, is also very much in the mix of, uh, they own the building actually. We rented from them for a dollar a year. So it's it. I'm happy to say now that this is probably the best uh, position financially that they've ever been in. And we just keep working slowly to, to make the, the museum better and better. And, and uh, our guests that come here really enjoy it. So the funding is always an issue. You're always trying to to make enough because you want to make more improvements and you want you want to do more things to bring attention to the hall. But we're pretty. I I have just a tremendous uh, board of directors here that I that I work with, and and I think that's uh, the key. You know, I'd, I'd love to tell you, you know, some of the guys we have that, that are working with us if we have time here. You know, our our, our chairman oh, of the board. Is, please do. Please is, do. He's a, a, a Minnesota State Senator, Dave Tomasoni, and he he's a hockey player. He he played on a national championship team at the University of Denver. He's from Chisholm originally here in Minnesota. He played for the the uh, he, after college he went and played in Italy for a bunch of years. Uh, had a good career over there. In fact, he he played for the uh, Italian national team in the Olympics in in '84. So he's got. And then Cal Casalter, our president, is a former mayor of Avalon. He he was also one of the captains of the 1974 uh, Gopher National Championship team. You know, he was a great player in his his own right. We, we've got another hockey player, Bob Pizzelli from Avalon. Here he he was a, a captain of the University of Denver National Championship team in '76. You know, and then you know. So we got Buzzy Schneider from the 80 Olympic team, you know, and Lefty Kern from the, the 72 Olympic team. We've got uh, Karen Housley, Phil's wife, who is a Minnesota uh, uh, representative uh, senator as well, who uh, sits on our board and is big, big help. And there's, there's others here, like I'm sure you, you probably know Doug Johnson, who used to be the uh, former president of and publisher with Let's Play Hockey. He's done great for us. You know, Matt Maker, the president of the Wild, did a huge help and, and a great board member. So Mike Schnee, uh, he's uh, he's the head of the College Hockey Inc. You know, we, we did Katie Million now, who's the uh, director of women's hockey at USA Hockey. So we've, we've got a really interesting group. Uh, another, uh, uh, Jim Maddich, who is a, uh, retired Cargill vice president, uh, been a big help. We, we got out, and then I got my, my idea guy, Chaz Dam, a local guy who's an artist and a, a real talented, uh, visionary, I call him. So, 
That's right. And then I have another former mayor here, Mike Lenich, who's been involved with the Hall for forever. And, and Mitch Brunfeld is the local lawyer to take care of our, our legal things. So uh, we got a really good group. They're all hands-on. They all help. They're all uh, uh, much appreciated for sure. Well, that's great. We have a rule out at uh, our office that uh, if your last name ends in a vowel, you're likely Italian. Uh, might that hold true with you and Mr. Tomasoni? Uh, Tomasoni, Pizzelli, Palazzari, even Casalta is part Italian. Uh, they, we we got our group here. <laughs> you got to have a few dagos in the mix, you know. <laughs> there you go. That's that's that, that's good. Uh, and and it's been great for me. I've uh, enjoyed my time with the Zamboni family, and I love to hear the stories. And it's nice to see the people that you've got associated with the hall that are um, putting back to that uh, that location. And it, great names. I've dealt with uh, many of them. I had the pleasure of meeting Katie and uh, Buzzy Schneider. That was great uh, for me to get the chance to uh, sit and have lunch when they were inducted into the ISI Hall of Fame. And what a treat for me as a kid watching those guys beat the Russians in Lake Placid uh, to be able to sit and uh, lunch with Buzzy Schneider and Harrington and uh, and Dave Christian, who uh, yeah, they're all great guys. Uh, yeah, Buzzy Buzzy's really been good to us here at the hall. He's been a, a real big help. You know, he's he's, he's well, I've known him heck, since high school. So I mean, I remember when he was a Babbitt Rabbit. You know I, what a Babbitt Rabbit is, right? Oh, you bet. Uh, the town of Babbitt. Uh, <laughs> and the, I think that's a, a acceptable name for uh, a team nowadays, the the Rabbits. I don't think that'll offend anybody. Um, <laughs> one of the things that uh, we wonder about is, do people often try to reach out and donate items to the hall that um, they feel are part of U.S. hockey history? And I'm going to, before I let you answer that, I'm going to let you know that I have the puck from the 2000. And two Olympic games in Lake Placid that was only able to be won by the Canadians because they put a loony in the ice, which tilted the ice in their favor. Um, and it was the goal that uh, was scored by Mike Modano to beat the Russians. They didn't change the pucks uh, at that point in time, and it ended up uh, coming up into the vomitory area where the machines came out. And I happened to catch it and was told to put it in my pocket and don't. Uh, don't listen to anybody and and to take it home and it's sitting uh in my closet is that something that uh when let my, me ask you a question comes, here sure you you said like but in 2002 it was in uh, salt lake salt lake i'm sorry i oh, error, okay. error on my yeah. part but uh yeah right. it's, it's yeah. from the game uh, when they beat russia uh, to go to the gold medal game against canada yeah which what a great game that was wasn't it it was that it Russian was. game. That was that was one of the best games I've ever seen. I think it was something where when they came off the ice, I was able to stand there, and it was a parade of the players of the U.S. team, and one after another went by me, and they all looked like every ounce of uh, effort that they had was laid out on the ice. And I remember, and I'll never forget it. Jeremy Roenick coming by, and I got to high five him, and he just it was like whoa. And I think yeah, that those guys. Cool. Finally, I mean, I think they realized what kind of a deal it was in 02 to try to compare back to 1980 and uh, in, in what that team went through when they beat the Russians. Because it was still a big deal at that time. But 
I have to step in here, gentlemen, just to protect uh, the Canadian uh, flag here, boys. So, Doug, you refer to the loony in the ice in Salt Lake City in 2002. We don't carry pennies in our pockets anymore. Just to throw that out to you folks in America. How did Doug up that loony? I think a loony hey, is I'm... about worth a penny up there in Canada, isn't it, Marty? Actually, yep, you got a point. <laughs> <laughs> the Canadians are always so good. I mean, I've uh, my career, I've made so many friends, your Canadian friends, teammates, and and others. You know, it, it, no nobody loves hockey more than Canadians. I'm well aware of that, and uh, they they got their way. I, I love the way they they operate. They're 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 cool. You know. <laughs> they're fun, but they're more fun to beat when you can beat them once in a while. It's good. But we do we we do know who scored that winning goal in the finals, right? Yes, against uh, the Americans. Doug, do you remember you who know, scored that goal? Oh yeah. I I, yeah. Know, I don't I don't. All I remember is Hall hitting the post with about four minutes left could have tied it. Uh, remember that? <laughs> yes, it could have went the other way for sure. I do call, uh, recall that. Yep. Yeah. But so, I, you know, I, I, Herbie did a great job with that team. I, I think our team had a great tournament. You know, it was, it was a, you know, tough final. I think we were, we were better in Canada through most of the tournament, but that night Canada was damn good. Yeah, that was the before the Salt Lake Olympics. The 1980 team and Herb Brooks came out to the uh, convention center at uh, Los Angeles, and they had an ice rink built. Uh, in the convention center that people could skate at. And that team was together for the first time. And I think that was the last time that I got to see and talk to Herbie before he passed away. And I, I was lucky enough as a kid to have Herb as a hockey instructor at uh, Ken Yackel's uh, hockey camp down in Shattuck in Faribault, Minnesota. And uh, was lucky enough to know um, Herb well enough. Although I think it was more, Herb was such a wonderful person and had the ability to remember everybody uh, that he met, uh, that he was just a, an incredible man that way and a great uh, a, a great psychologist uh, in knowing how to get the best out of every member of uh, the team that he put together. Well, I actually had breakfast with Herbie the day that he had his accident. Uh, he was up here for a golf tournament for the Hall of Fame, actually. Uh, and I was here on, with USA Hockey Ties and, and we were talking about Herbie had some plans he wanted to discuss about, you know, helping out American hockey. And so we had met for breakfast that day and, and uh, you know, it was just a sad day for our, for American hockey, for sure. Yeah, it was a truly sad day. And in, in that accident where uh, he was in his vehicle and was uh, thrown out, um, took place right down the road from where my father uh, lived. And when I, whenever I'd come back and I'd drive up, it was kind of like a, I'd take a pause as I was driving by there. And um, was, I was in town, brought my daughters, usually came back uh, each summer and would bring my daughters to visit uh, with family for a week and was in town for his funeral and went to the funeral with my father. And anybody and everybody who was hockey was at that funeral. It was a packed house at the, uh, church over in St. Paul, uh, un unbelievable yeah. and, and, you know, truly, truly sad moment. He was a great, great man taken from us too early, but, uh, I think people recognize just, uh, what kind of a talent that gentleman was. So, no question. Um, yeah. 
so can you touch a little bit about the Olympic teams? I know Marty loves to hear about the 80 team, but there's also the 56 and 60 teams where I've had the pleasure of meeting many of those uh, those guys that uh, were out east, uh, Dick Rodenheiser, uh, Jack Crane, uh, the Cleary brothers, um, and Dick Meredith, who's, uh, like I say, was a friend of my father's and still uh, trying to get him on a podcast. But there's also a team that uh, Henry Boucher played on, the 72 team. Um, maybe fill us in a little bit about some of the things that you guys have at the hall uh, from those medal-winning teams that uh, the USA sported. Well, you know, the, the 72 team uh, with Henry, I played against that team, actually. They came out and played Colorado College in the exhibition as they were training for the Olympics. So, and then and then I had the fortune about two years later, or three, I don't know, the next year, 73, and in the, in the played on the World uh in the world championships with team USA. And there were about six or seven guys that from that uh, 72 team that, that played, that played with as teammates uh, in the world championships. So I'm very familiar with those guys that, that, that team at silver medal, which was pretty impressive. Uh, I don't, you know, I can't remember what the reason was. I don't think Canada played in the Olympics that year, actually. If uh, maybe Marty will sit on that for some reason, I don't think Canada participated, but they uh, they had a very 56, 56, Doug. No, I'm talking 72, 72 team in Sapporo. I'm just trying to think why they wouldn't have participated. That uh, excuse yeah, me, I'll be right back. Um, I'm going to be right back, gentlemen. <laughs> I got to do yeah, do that. I'm, I'm just thinking that, but I might be wrong. But I, I, no, I'm let me jump sure. in. Hold on. I'll be right back. Yeah, the, the 72, 72 team was, uh, it was not expected to win um, a medal. And Henry talked about that. And uh, it's something that I don't think gets enough press. And it's like in 2002, I was fortunate enough to spend some time in Salt Lake City for the Olympics and get to see the opening ceremony. And it was great to have the 80 team there, or most of the 80 team to uh, light the cauldron. I just felt um, being a hockey geek and being a former Minnesotan, then uh, the 60 team should have joined them at the uh, at the lighting because of that. And um, Dick Meredith uh, put it in perspective for me. And he goes, Doug, you're not normal. You're a little different. And most of the <laughs> people that, that would watch that or would have watched or listened to us play in 1960, are either so old they forgot about it, or they're not with us anymore. <clears throat> well, the you know the team in '60, they didn't have any fanfare when they when they're like the forgotten gold. I mean, they they just uh, they came back. John Mason would tell me, "Yeah, we came back and we just went to work the next day. It's no big deal." <laughs> it's just times are different, uh, but you know that was a great team. You know that that a good mix of Eastern guys and, and Western guys. And uh, that was, uh, you know, I've met a lot of those, those people with quality people. And, and that, that was a great, that's our, of course, we've never won a gold without a player from Evelyn on it. So in the men's side, so we better start developing some more Evelyn if we want to win again, I guess. I think so. And, and then like the, the guys up in war road, um, there's been a few gold medal guys from there. And, there is a, a hockey game that maybe you could settle 
uh, some controversy with us. Uh, th there's a, a guy that we just did a broadcast, Henry Boucher, and he says the goal was scored with plenty of time left on the clock. And he says your opinion on that might differ. Could you fill us in a little bit on that? Well, I will agree. They called it a goal, so it counts. And he got to go to the state tournament, and we didn't. But, no, it didn't go in before the clock ran up. No chance. <laughs> was there some hometown ruling on that? But that that was down in – was it in Hibbing that the, the game was at? The, it, the game was in Hibbing. No, it was really close. I, I don't think anyone knows for sure if it was in on time or not. There's no way of knowing back in those days. you it, you got to laugh now. You think you get it on TV now. They get cameras. They they got the clock hooked up. Back in those days, you know, you had the guy turning on the light manually for a goal, but it wasn't hooked up to the clock or anything. So, I mean, the guy it could have been ten minutes late. You could still turn on the light. So Henry always said, "Well, the light went on, so it had to be good." But that's not <laughs> so, gen yeah. gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> let me. Let, but, but I have to tell you something. That was a tough pill <laughs> to swallow. It was no time left on the on the clock at the end of the second overtime, and uh, so Henry and and the War Road team went to the state tournament, and we went crying in our rooms. You know, it's the way it goes. <laughs> the, the 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 bounce of the actually. Puck. Actually, it's a good thing because the people in Minnesota got to see Henry play, you know, and that, you know, that that in itself uh, is probably a great thing because he's certainly probably one of the best that's ever played in a high school state tournament, if not the best. So, it's uh, in that respect, the fans got what they deserve to see. So, it's better. Marty, did you want to jump in and give us the scoop on the '72 Olympics and why the Canadians yeah. didn't win? Yeah, definitely. Doug, you're right. And uh, that 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 I did not know. So let me read uh, from uh, Wikipedia. For the first time since the ice hockey was introduced to the Olympic Games in 1920, Canada did not send a team to the 1972 Olympics after our Canadian Minister of Health and Welfare, John Monroe, announced the withdrawal of the team from all international competitions in response to the International Ice Hockey Federation opposition to allowing professional players at international competitions. Canadian officials were frustrated uh, that their best players competing in the National Hockey League uh, were prevented from playing while the Soviet players who were employees of the industrial and military organizations that fielded amateur teams were allowed to compete. So that's that's the reason why Canada didn't put a team in. I think they knew they were going to lose to the U.S. and they just just figured, oh, let's not go get embarrassed by that poor little country south of here who doesn't know that much about hockey. You know what? I, 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 this is a platform that we have to put this out here due to the fact of our guest, Doug Palazzari and the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame and Doug Peters, because you are from the state of where that is housed. I will definitely, when the borders open, I'm coming south. You're coming north. Make sure you bring your hockey equipment. I'll either let you play forward or defense, whatever position you want. And we're going to settle this once and for all. Who has the hands? Who has the wheels? And who really deserves what they deserve? And I'm Doug, a, and Doug a, Palazzari, I'll be the referee. I'll be the referee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I'm going to have a, a pinch player for me to 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 take my role on, and I, I'm going to get another Doug P that uh, that can assume my role. And 
I, I think we might uh, look about the same if I uh, doctor myself up and, and get my get rid of my beard. I think I can make you uh, resemble me there, Doug. So I, I, I think your, your, skill, your skills will uh, supersede mine by uh, a whole bunch. And while we're on that topic, I, I noticed uh, with your hockey career that you jumped straight from Colorado College into the NHL and uh, potted 14 goals in your first season. Um, how big of a jump was that, and what uh, what kind of challenges did you face going straight into the NHL after your college career? Well, I you know you don't really know what to expect, uh, that's for sure. But it's just hockey. I, I I guess the difference was you know back in those days, uh, the game was a little less civilized than it is today. You know, I I remember the the very first exhibition game. You know, I I was up with the big club right at the beginning of camp and the first exhibition game was against Detroit. Uh, we played up in Michigan somewhere, not in Detroit, but and the first period there were two bench clearing brawls <laughs> in the first period of an exhibition game. <laughs> and I'm saying, Well, are we gonna play any hockey here tonight? What's going on? You know <laughs> I mean that's just what it what it was like. You know, and, that's our and, uh, that's our saying here, Doug. We are saying up here in Canada is we went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the way it was back then. You know, it was pretty strange. You know, now I watched a game yesterday with uh, Philadelphia and the Islanders, and you watch the game, and and you know, it was just a great game. I mean, uh, Islanders came back from three goals, tied it late, and losing overtime. But I mean, if you watch the hockey, you know, it's it's so good. I mean, talented, fast, and uh, a great product, you know, it's so, so different from, you know, every era is different, but I, I think the NHL game is better than it's ever been. And, and, and some, one of the rules, I think when they got rid of the red line for the two line pass that really changed, uh, opened up the game and, 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 you know, it's pretty exciting to watch the playoffs. That's for sure. But you, well, got- you can't, but for me that first year I had, a, I had a real good rookie year. I, you know, I had really great teammates and it's a lot of fun playing with the, you know, Gary Younger and the the Plager boys, they're, they're two of the, the most fierce competitors I, I think I've ever seen in my life. They, they were great. I love those guys. That's no doubt. Was Glenn so, Hall, so, Hall still down there with the Blues at that time, or was he already retired? He 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 was working with them. He wasn't. He he had retired playing, but he you had Eddie Johnstone. Remember, remember? Yeah. Eddie? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, but, Nobody knew EJ. Nobody knew how old he really was. He wouldn't tell him, you know. <laughs> he was, him and John Davidson were the goalies that year. Uh, Glenn was working for for the Blues in the in in the capacity in the office. He's a that good was guy ba- too. They're all great guys, you know. Back in the day when the they could have a older, shorter goalie. I've got some footage of Gump Worsley. Uh, that w- I was given by Wally Shaver, um, and it was old footage of the North Stars back. They played at the Odd in Buffalo. There's some of that. There's some of it at the Met Center. There's actually some footage of my dad, and my dad didn't even recognize himself, where he was giving award. He was the guy giving the trophy to the guy that gave the trophy to the players at the end of the year for the team trophies. And Gump Worsley was there, and he actually had to reach his arm up to grab a hold of the crossbar because he wasn't that tall 
where his arm could just hang on, you know, it, it, different from where it is today where these guys are, Ben Bishop is a six foot seven or six foot eight monster. And they uh, keep just, getting bigger all the time. Don't they? These goalies, I don't know where you find a place to shoot, where they cover a lot of that. Map. They're big guys. It was amazing. That, that they are. One, one thing I want to touch on with the Islanders, you've got uh, the grandson of Billy Christian on that team, Brock Nelson. And what, what a player yeah. he's turned into. Yeah, he's a great player. You know, War Road has picked up some really good players over the years, haven't they? They've developed some great ones. Now, Henry's real proud of, of his, uh, his, his hometown, and rightfully so. Great hockey city. Do they do any drafting up there to, to get the kids from the neighbors? Uh, you know, the battle between the Hatfields and the McCoys with Rozo and Warroad, uh, is that stuff true or is it just rumors that uh, if you're really good, you might find yourself, or you have a kid that's really good at hockey, you might find yourself getting a job at Marvin Windows over in Warroad? Well, that, that stuff used to go on up there, but I, I don't know. If I don't think it still does. No, they, yeah, they, there, there was talk about, you know, we didn't deal with that here in Evelyn, in Virginia. Nobody dared change schools, you know. But, well, that, that's uh, that's good. But the, the the gig is now, you know, the, the student population up here is, is less and less all the time. You know, people don't have, in our family, we had eight kids, and that wasn't a lot. There was up with 12, 13. So you had a lot of kids around, but today, you know, the population is down there, and as many kids, so... You know, they, the schools are combining. You know, Evelyn and Virginia are, and Gilbert are all going to be one uh, school here in the next uh, two years. So, you know, times change. But I, I, I don't know how War Road keeps keeps doing it. You know, I just don't know that they they do develop some great players up there. Doug, who are some of your hockey heroes from either when you're a kid or? Uh, who you got to play against uh, in all your hockey career? Well, you know, our heroes, when we were growing up, they were all on the Hippodrome wall. You know, I mean, we had guys, that, NHL guys, college guys, you know, real Olympians and national team players. Those were the guys we looked up to. Uh, and, and then as you get older, you know, for me, I mean, I, I, I truly appreciate all the great players from all the different eras of the game, you know, from way back to to today, and and you, you just see everybody keep getting better and better. But and you gotta you can't you can never pick the best ever. I, I know that. I mean, you can look at all the uh, great players from all the different countries. But I had one favorite player, and I still do. The, the player I like the best is uh, Bobby Orr. Yeah, he, he, if I had to say hero, not hero, but the one I my favorite player because I just had couldn't believe how good he was winning league scoring championships with defensemen and and just you know he just was an incredible player but he also to me he just revolutionized the whole position the position of defenseman I mean he changed the game and uh, uh, you know just just you know so he's my favorite I mean you can't you can't argue with the like Wayne Gretzky, look what he did. I mean, there's so many like that. Mario Lemieux, how would you like to be a goalie with Mario Lemieux coming down on you one-on-one? I mean, there's so many great, great players, you know, and different eras, but but still my favorite. I think if you put Bobby R on the ice with any player, no one would get the puck from him. Yeah, it's simple. Just two people, you'd never get it. You, you brought up... 
Well, and he was a great player, and I was lucky enough to get to see him. I was also lucky enough to get to see him when he uh, finished his career, which was kind of sacrilege. But as a Chicago Blackhawk, he played a game against the North Stars. Um, you talk about Wayne Gretzky a bit. Uh, we like to think that the Zamboni Company is almost as famous as uh, what uh, came out of Brantford. We have a plant up in Brantford, Ontario, and uh, we like to think we're almost as famous as Wayne Gretzky, the other uh, important piece that's come out of Brantford, Ontario. Um, onto the topic of, of Zamboni machines, could you um, maybe give us a little verbal tour of your facility, and then we can talk about the Zamboni machine uh, that is in uh, the hall. So what, what are some of the displays that people could take a look at at the hall, and what are some of your favorite displays? Well, it starts outside in the parking lot. You know, you, you park your car, you look on our wall. You know, when I got here, the north wall, it's a big, long thing, nothing on it. I said, well, we got to do something about that. So put up a big banner, a mural of uh, the 1996. It was a tribute to the 1996 World Cup of Hockey Champion U.S. And the, and the reason I, I wanted to do that is because I think that's the best American team that was ever assembled and, and you know what we can look at you can look at 80 that's the greatest accomplishment in, in American hockey and it always will be it's the biggest moment and this and that but that was a miracle and it took a miracle in 96 this team you know they they the finals was the best of three series and of course it was against our tribal Canada who had an a, unbelievable team a great team we lost the first game. It was best of three. We lost the first game in, in the United States. And then we had to go up and play the last two games in, in Montreal. And we managed to win both games and, and win the, the World Cup. <clears throat> and to me, that was just a defi defining moment for American hockey because it wasn't a miracle. It was a really, really good team. And most of that team, uh, the team is inducted into the hall here, but most of the players on that team are also individually inducted. So, so I put up a, a banner there with Chelios. I picked some of my favorites. I could have picked the whole team, but that's all I would fit. And I got Chelios and Hall and Madonna and Housley and Richter and Roenick uh, up there. And, and it's a tribute to the 96 uh, team. And then uh, this year now, in the virus time here, we finally got our, our sixth uh, a woman inducted last year into the Hall of Fame, and I wanted to save that spot. Now, now I have a, a new 50-foot-long banner with uh, Darwitz and Wendell and Fugerio and Granado and Bydeets and Curley, and they're up on the wall. So I, you know, I know all these athletes from my time at Yale State Hockey and training, and you know these women. Are, I call them the original six, and they are they are not just great athletes, but they were, I know what they went through to play hockey and do get to where they were. And they're just high quality character people who have given a lot to women's hockey. Most of them started playing, of course, with the boys because they weren't the girls leagues. And they had a lot to do, you know, pioneering the women's hockey and getting it to where it is today, where they have their own teams and leagues and, and, and such. So we're real happy to be able to, uh, recognize them in a in a meaningful manner so we have those two up there and they're beautiful now you walk in the front door you'll you'll see a greeting desk and uh admissions desk and, and we have a nice little gift shop 
downstairs there where you can buy a lot of clothing items and, and different uh, uh, hockey puck or banners, different things we have. It's a nice little gift shop. Out to the side, we have a 96-seat uh, theater where you can go in and watch uh, some films we have offered. There's about 12 to 15 things. We have documentary on the 80 team. Uh, I like the 1980 gold medal game against Finland. Everyone forgets, you know, the, the, the after they beat the Russians to win the gold, they had to beat Finland. And, of course, that Finnish game, they were behind for most of it before uh, they came back to win. So that people kind of forget that. You can watch the 1960 uh, championship uh, game in Squaw Valley. You know, the, the television was coverage was a little different in those days, but uh, we have, I, I enjoy watching that. I see all the old timers and it's pretty cool. We've got the 2018 uh, women's gold game for the U.S. as, as well. And a few other, you know, some pretty neat stuff if you're into uh, wanting to see some old games. Uh, then you walk up into our, our, our main hall and right in front of you is there's Herbie staring you in the eye. We have a, a, a tribute to Herb and the 80 team on the main floor there. And, uh, you know, not just his Olympic stuff, but some of his University of Minnesota, the, the family had uh, donated uh, some things here for the hall. And then right, right there, when you come up also, we have that beautiful Zamboni number four, you know, the one that the ice capades used uh, uh, Doug, you might want to get a little more on the history of that as well, but this was a, a, this model, the fourth one made. It's uh, uh, early 50s, and and the the, the cool thing is, I've, people just love that. They, they really do. It's a really cool machine, and we we have these uh, flyers that go with it, but uh, telling the story of you know Frank Zamboni and the company, and it's pretty interesting and. Uh, People take them because they got to print them up all the time. I'm tired of that, actually. But they, they uh, so Doug, do you want to talk any more about that machine? I mean, it is a cool it's, machine. Yeah, it's and it's, it's not ever going anywhere while we're alive, right? <laughs> no, I I think it would take <laughs> take too much work to get it out of the building, and I don't know where where it could be. Displayed. I don't know how they got it in there. Yeah, I, I don't I don't either, and. I, I think that uh, it's something that I don't know if it would be able to be seen uh, more prominently by more people in another location. And it's it's something that uh, it, it's brings back fond memories for Richard Zamboni, who's the son of the founder. But uh, it, it's literally a one of a kind. And that machine was um, sold to the Ice Capades and then it was uh, in Los Alamos, New Mexico. And I believe that it was destroyed in a fire and there was a restoration process. And I don't know, I'd have to go back and dig through the files to see what the process was as to uh, whether somebody from the hall reached out to us uh, and asked about providing a machine or what the story is. It, it truly, I've seen it a few times up there and it was prominently uh, mentioned in a old newsletter, newsletter that the company used to do, criminy back probably into the 70s. So it, it is something, and we're glad that it gets the recognition. And I know that when people go see that machine, uh, that it's something that they truly, um, they truly enjoy uh, seeing that machine. So um, there's, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Everybody <laughs> looks at that and loves it. You know, I mean, that's a big thing. It's a good sure. thing. Yeah. 
no doubt. Uh, well, uh, anyway, as, as we go, we go through the, here on that floor, then we have a lot of uh, paintings, artwork. I don't know if you're aware of Terrence Fogarty. He he does a lot of hockey stuff for artists here in Minnesota, and we've got some real nice pieces from him. There's a display on the fire puck. Do you remember the fire puck? When they were, uh, they went television, they were trying fox, to figure fox. out a puck that would they yeah, could the, see. Yeah, the glow, the tracker that they held yeah, had that in the, uh, the All Star game in Boston. Uh, I don't even know how many years ago that was. So yeah, yeah, that, it was that's, the 60s, I think. Yeah, it it didn't it didn't fly. The goalies goalies didn't like it, and, and it, it, the puck didn't didn't uh, handle right either. So they. They tried it in a few All-Star games, minor league All-Star games in a few places, but it didn't catch on. So anyway, we have that there. You've probably never seen one of those, but it's here. And then we have in the corner there, there's a we have a Gretzky Award. I don't know if you're aware of that. And, and that's uh, given to international citizen who has helped with the, the growth of uh, hockey in the United States. And Wayne... It was named after him, and he was the first recipient. Uh, it's it's not given every year. It's there's it been like ten so far, I think, since '99. Uh, there's a nice, nice uh, Howe family, Gordy Howe's family uh, photo. The whole family was uh, given the award one year, so it, that's kind of cool. We have some pop-ups of some of our recent inductees. I've got another ice machine there, a manual ice resurfacer from the hip in the fifties, you know, if you saw the old ones where you get them in the wheel and you're pushing them down, the, no motors involved here. Uh, then, then of course we have our wall of fame and that, you know, we, we exist to, to honor those that, you know, get inducted into the hall and have done things for American hockey. And, and we have 147 uh, inductees that includes four teams. And so we, we have their plaques and, 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 uh, bios on all of them on our great wall of fame we have a collection of skate blades uh, you know mostly from the late 1800s and early 1900s and it's it's really cool you look at what people used to have to skate on and how they were and, and what we have today is it's quite different so people enjoy that a lot uh, they got an old wasoda skate sharpener from the 50s and uh what else we have? I got uh, Frank Brinsick uh, exhibit with his Vesna and Calder trophy. Lefty Kern, we got his mask and glove from Sapporo. And, you know, we have an exhibit on Evelyn. There's another one on La Bat LaFontaine down there. Amputee hockey exhibit. Uh, I got the Mayasich jersey from the 60 Olympics down there. There's, there's uh, things from the 52, 60. 56 and 72 Olympics there. Uh, we have a, a, a wall showing uh, USA hockey uh, districts uh, around the country. And above on the top, there's a, we have the Mighty Ducks scoreboard. How's that? From the first, the movie, from the first movie, Mighty Ducks movie, the scoreboard here hangs in the hall. Uh, we've got jerseys of uh, different high schools, colleges, pros, going around the top. Uh, then if you you go up uh, to our next level, uh, we've got uh, a Minnesota Wild display. We've got Darcy, uh, uh, what the heck, I'm, I'm going blank here now, Hendrickson, who scored the first goal for the Wild when they, they came back to Minnesota. Uh, 
we've got the Coast Guard cutter picture. You probably never heard of the Coast Guard cutters, have you? I have not. I have not. Yeah, they were they were a team. In fact, five of the inductees here played on that team, including uh, Brimsick and Mary Uchi and uh, I can't, offhand I can't remember. Well, Hub Nelson. They were all these guys. They were in there in the Coast Guard. They had a hockey team. They played NHL teams and minor pro teams. They were really good. But then people got mad because uh, it was wartime and they didn't think they should be playing hockey. They just so they shut down the team. But but I got a nice framed photo of that team. It's pretty good. Then we have a, a Mariucci collection of, of framed photos. It's very interesting. A lot of neat people on there. One picture with him and, and Mike Caracas uh, when they were playing with the Blackhawks with Pocket Rush. I mean, uh, uh, Rocket Richard. I love that photo. Uh, there's a lot of artwork on this level. Uh, we got a jersey from Massachusetts, the University of Minnesota. The display on the old. Uh, uh, WCHA College League, you know, back in the day when different than today. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a video there on some of our recent inductees. We've, we've got a uh, bunch of artwork on that area. Then you go to the top floor and, and there's interactive areas, you know, bubble hockey and, and where you can shoot, another place you can shoot pucks for target shooting and we have another place with radar so you can see how hard you can shoot it. Unfortunately, those interactive areas are closed temporarily now with the virus. We, we aren't able to do that, but uh, that's a really popular thing here, especially with the kids. Uh, we have a high school section up there, different thing, college section. We've got the Hobie Award and the winners and the Humanitarian Award winners and the Patty Kazmaier Award winners. There's various trophies up. We have about we we have a video presentation with the U.S. Russia game runs here 24/7. It's always on on the third floor. We've got a a, a shack like you had in the outdoor hockey days with, with the stove and a heating shack. You know that we all did when we were kids. The uh, banners of all the NHL teams, uh, some Olympic exhibits up there. Uh, and also, we have a lot of women's hockey exhibits up there, some jerseys from uh, some of the other countries that have been great in hockey. Uh, we have uh, quite a few national team plaques. Uh, uh, we've got a thing on the, the old North Stars and their jersey. We've got a place for Willie O'Ree and uh, things on the current Americans in the NHL we update every year. And, and we have a display on the World Hockey Association the WHA, which was big. So there's, there's a, we've got a display on Paul Stewart up there, uh, referee, the hockey player turned referee. So, I, I mean, there's lots to see here. Uh, there really is, and people uh, really enjoy the visit, I think. It sounds like you have something for everyone, including a plaque of our founder, Frank Zamboni, the, the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame uh, honored Mr. Zamboni by putting him in the hall in the class of 2009. He's up on the great wall. You bet he is. Absolutely. I was, I was fortunate enough to have the Zamboni family include me as part of that uh, awards presentation out in Boston. It was incredible. Uh, Richard Zamboni is very humbled to uh, be able to take part of that. And we're, we're hoping um, while he's still with us that 
uh, the the Hockey Hall of Fame up in Toronto uh, will figure it out and put him in the hall because we might be a little bit biased, Doug, but we believe that uh, there isn't anybody who changed the game more so. He might be the Bobby Orr of, uh, of what he did for the game by creating the ice resurfacer. And we really are hoping that uh, the hall up in Toronto will uh, take it upon themselves and, and get him uh, inducted into that hall. And we thank you and the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame uh, for getting it right and, and putting Frank into the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. If we didn't have that machine, I don't know how they'd play hockey nowadays. I mean, it's just amazing. Doug, um, unless, and I'm really quite confident that there's not going to be a category for Zamboni machine salespeople. So Marty might be, <laughs> with his with his talents, Marty might be able to get into the hall. But the only way I'm going to get into the hall, uh, the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, is by purchasing a ticket. Um, how what, what is the nomination process and uh, how does the induction process work for the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame? Well, it, USA Hockey handles the the uh, the selection and the and the ceremony. So anyone can nominate someone for induction by going to the USA Hockey site and getting the paperwork. There's a national committee that they have formed that's been in place for quite some time that analyzes all the nominations and makes a decision of, of who gets involved uh, or who gets inducted. Uh, but as I said, you can, anyone can nominate whoever they feel is, they feel that is uh, worthy. And then the committee meets and decides who they're going to induct and who they're not. And so and that's, like I said, that, that's all run through USA Hockey. That, that's great. How can people that are listening, and I, I'd like to say we have a million listeners, but if somebody wanted to make a donation or uh, participate in some of the fundraisers, how do they go about doing that? How do they get more information about the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame? Well, of course, you can go to our, our website, uh, ushockeyhall.com, uh, find out a lot about us. But, of course, we're a nonprofit, and we accept donations, and we have a number of, of people that do do donate money to us, uh, some annually, some uh, more often even. So as a nonprofit, you know, in the, in the museum business, you're not going to make it all at the door. It's impossible. So you, you have to have people willing to support you and, and, and believe in the cause. And, and I think we do a good job here of, of presenting a, a nice museum. So, but anyone, you know, you mentioned earlier, I never did answer that question. We, in terms of donating items and that, there are, uh, I get calls all the time, people, you know, would you be interested in this? Would you be interested in that? And we get a lot of really neat things that way. So people do have things of value that uh, that are just sitting in their attic and, and they want to, uh, we're a good place to put it if it's hockey, if it's American hockey. Well, but, if you're uh, you're interested, Doug, you let me know. I, I'm not going to relinquish it, but I can tell uh, my kids or my wife that if I drop dead tomorrow, that uh, the puck from the 2002 games, the the Russian game where USA, it's the game-winning goal puck. Uh, if you guys are interested in that, you let me know, and I'm we happy, would take happy that to, in a minute. So, would we, you? we would take that in a minute, of course. All of right. Course. Well, 
I will put uh, put a piece of tape on it as uh, my dad's wife did with a lot of things that uh, as to where it's going to go. Um, it, it, Doug, it's been a treat. Do, do you have any other stories that you want to share with us about uh, USA hockey, about you growing up in the great hockey town of Eveleth? Uh, the the large isn't there a large hockey stick out front of the the U.S. Hockey Hall? The largest. The stick world's in the largest one. The world's largest one piece hockey stick is down in uh, downtown Eveleth. It's in downtown there you go. And they they put a plaza there now. They've got some statues. Uh, uh, it, it, uh, Mariucci and and uh, Brimsick right now, and 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 they've got a whole wall without. It's pretty nice, but this big hockey stick, yes, <laughs> world's largest one piece. And and there there has been uh, out in uh, Vancouver Island, out in Duncan, British Columbia, um, that arena still says that that is the largest hockey stick in the world. But that being said, I do have a question for you, Doug. Yeah, but uh, it's not one piece. Oh, see, they never told me that. <laughs> yeah, that's the fact, Jack. Okay, well, I, you know what? I'm, I'm definitely going back to them to call them on it. So that's, 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 uh, uh, Mr. Palazzaro, I have to ask you a question. Um, it's been since 1993 that uh, the Stanley Cup uh, stayed on the, north of the 49th uh, parallel, if you will, with a Canadian uh, NHL hockey team. My question is, the Stanley Cup that uh, Philip Pritchard uh, presents uh, to the Cup winners uh, uh, every year, uh, has that Cup uh, had the opportunity to be in your home, uh, in your Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, for the uh, off-season, if you will? Or do you have a replica of it? No, I wish we had a replica of it. That would be huge here. They've had it here a couple of times uh, in the past uh, for different events. Uh, but not since I've been here. We haven't. It was. It was in the. It. We were lucky. It got up here, but we didn't bring it to the hall just a few years ago when Niskanen and, and Pittsburgh won the, the Stanley Cup. It was in Virginia, so they did it at the ice rink there because you could accommodate. There were uh, people just lined up wanting to see the thing. So uh, it was good. It's been up here at the hall a few times in the past, but not recently. I know Mr. Pritchard too. He's a good guy, by the way. Phil's a great guy. He does a good job with that cup, man. Well, I, I know I'm going to speak for uh, what Doug will want to say, but I'll take the words right out of his mouth. I think there's enough support to justify uh, having that cup in your uh, in your Hockey Hall of Fame, the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, due to the fact it's been uh, 17 years uh, south of the border that a team has won it. So. Uh, I'm sure that's Doug. Doug was going to go there, but you got you got bad math there. Buddy. <laughs> Twenty-seven years since 1993, and I, I was just going to say that there's a better chance of the cup being on display in Eveleth than it does in a parade in Toronto. But uh, you know what? what can Boy, I you say? guys are <laughs> tough. You guys are tough. Toronto's coming on. They got they got a pretty good team there. They got Their a lot chance. of talent. So. <laughs> <laughs> Their chant is 1967, uh, Doug, because that's the last time the cup uh, graced the streets of Yonggi Street, if that's uh, the proper pronunciation, other than on you know, its way back into the hall. You know, it's sad because, you know, it's a great hockey town. I mean, they support their team better as well as anybody or better. You know, they get one of these years it'll come to. If you could be a fly in the wall when I travel with this guy, Mr. Palazzari, it, it's it's sometimes it is hilarious. There's restaurants that uh, 
I think would rather see us not come into the restaurant and take our <laughs> stuff outside. <laughs> but anyways, I uh, I'll I'll send it back to you, Doug, to bring it to a close. Great, okay. Doug. Well, I appreciate being with you guys today. Oh, Doug, I want to thank you very much. It was an honor, a true honor for me to spend time with you uh, to talk hockey and. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to get up to Eveleth, and we'll be able to have more time. And you'll be wishing that I would just go away and uh, have it be a shorter session than what uh, uh, than what today was. But uh, it was an honor to to hear about the hall. Uh, please, of our listeners out there, uh, it's a great uh, institution. Please consider sending a donation to the organization to help support hockey. Please go up and visit Eveleth, Minnesota. It's a, it's a great community, lots of hockey history, lots of things that you can see uh, up there, including the hall and Zamboni number no. four, which is a true one-of-a-kind machine, and Frank Zamboni uh, on the wall for the Hall of Fame. Plug to you, Mr. Pritchard. Please, uh, please see about getting Mr. Zamboni on the hall uh, up in Toronto. We want to thank everyone for listening in to another episode of Ask the Zamboni Experts podcast. Have a question for one of our experts or an idea for a future episode, please email your questions or request to info at Zamboni.com. For more info and additional podcast episodes, please visit Zamboni.com forward slash podcast or search Ask the Zamboni Experts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thank you, Doug Pelzari. Thank you, Marty Elliott. This is Doug Peters wishing you an ice day. <laughs>